Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. This morning I want to look at what I call the vision-driven life. The vision-driven life. And um, I want you to pay very close attention because I believe that God will use this to stir certain things in your heart where the vision of God for your life is concerned. Now, the first thing I ask here is, what is driving you? What is driving you? We found out that everyone is driven by something. There's a motivation behind the way people live, why they live the way they're living. Why they make the choices they make. And so, uh, first of all, there are people who are driven by circumstances. There are people who are driven by circumstances. So, these people, uh, it's life happening to them. They're not happening to life. So, circumstance goes this way, they follow the direction of that circumstance. Uh, people who have been driven by circumstances. The happenings of life to them is what now forms their vision. You know, when you talk to those people, you would always hear things like, you know, I didn't plan my life like this, you know, but this and this happened and that's why I found myself this way. That means that they were not able to rise above the circumstance of life and impose their vision on the circumstances of life. I want to tell you this, that many times in life, when you look at people, except they sometimes tell you their stories, you would actually, when you see people, especially in their harvest season, you would always feel that their life went smoothly. Praise God. And so it's important for us not to be deceived by that. Don't always feel that, well, uh, people didn't have as much challenges as I had. They had everything going for them. Don't always feel that way about people. You would, you would realize that sometimes many people do not share their complete story. What people share actually is testimonies. Right? And, and testimonies are... Testimonies are the finished work. They don't tell the process. Praise God. You know, in the first service... Uh, there was a, a man who came in. He used to be a member. Well, he's still a member. But when we started church at the other side, and he had a job, but then certain things happened, and then he left the island. Uh, so I saw him in the service. I was like, "Oh, good to see you." So you know, I met him after the service, and he was telling me, "Well, he came back now. He's got a job with one of the companies, and they gave him a house." And I was just sharing his testimony, sharing his ID card with me. He was very excited. And why that was exciting was the fact that even in the early days of church, there was a time they had a, uh, an accommodation problem, and he had to stay with me. He had to be with me for maybe about two, three months, thereabouts, with, with his wife. They just got married and had that you know, issue. And I look at him then, and I look at him now, it's a world of difference. Praise God. But if I, were to, if I were to ask him to come and share his testimony, he was, he was not probably going to say, well, things were so bad, I stayed with pastor. And he's not going to say that. He'll just say, praise the Lord, thank God for the favor of God, that's where I am now. Now, regardless of the circumstance that you're facing right now, if you are vision-driven, you would impose your vision on that circumstance. Number two, there are people who are driven by trends. Trends. What is happening? Right? Other will say what is raining. Yeah? People are driven by trains. 
Okay? I don't have anything against that, just saying. But you know what is currently ongoing in the country now is people going, relocating abroad. It's, it's common. It's, it's a trend. That's what everybody, uh, everybody wants to japa, right? Everybody wants to take off. Yeah, yeah. It happens. It happens like that. There was a time it happened before the IBB regime where uh, before, uh, what's that called now? Uh, before the SAP program of, of, of IBB, you know, it was very common. People left. Droves of people left the country. It's, it's always happened. It comes in circles. It's not a new thing. All right? So you find uh, it, can, it can be something that motivates you. It might not be God's will for you. It might be God's will for you. I don't, uh, that's between you and God. But it, that's the trend. Some people are driven by trends. This is what everybody in my age group is doing. And they jump into it. Okay? And, you know, people just have these strengths that come. And if you observe this strength, if you're a student of history, and you're very observant, you will watch that this thing come in circles. They come in, there's nothing new under the sun. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It comes in circles. People do that. It goes away for a while. After a while, people pick the interest. And once that, there's that mass interest in it, everybody just gets into it. It even happens in financial investments. Okay? One new investment comes in and, you know, a few people make money from it and the whole uh, bandwagon jump into it. <laughs> you, you understand that? Trends. There are people who are driven by trends. So what is popular, what is common is what they do. So the next thing they are setting for their life is what is everybody doing? Number three, there are people who are driven by friends. We talk about we're, ask, we're, asking, we're answering the simple question, what is driving you? You know, many people say, well, I'm a man of myself. I know what I'm doing. No. Many times these things combine to drive us. Friends. Friends. These are people who tag along in life. Whatever their friends are involved in, that's what they are involved in. Whatever their friends want to do, that's what they do. You know, I said in the first service, this, you know, in this world... Advice and counsel is free. There are a lot of counselors everywhere. You go on Facebook, everybody is trying to teach a class. Everyone is teaching a master class. WhatsApp class, Telegram class, webinar, everywhere. There's information. Everybody is a teacher. Everybody is an advisor. <laughs> you know, a young pastor reached out to me, wanted me to be on, on faculty of one of his, the schools he was running. And there was a church planting course. And then he was going to take it. So... Uh, I didn't, I didn't take the offer though. I was, I was a bit engaged. So I was interacting with him and I asked him, I said, have you planted uh, any church at all? He said, oh no, he hasn't planted any church, but he has read a lot of church planting books. And I said, my God. And you are offering a course, a master class. <laughs> People that are driven by friends. That's what everybody's doing. So they go along with it. You see, you must in this life be able to have friends that respect your personal vision. That will not force their lifestyle on you. You see, sometimes we feel that if we're friends with people, then we must always do what they're doing. That's not, that's not always the case. Then number four, we have people that are driven by money. Driven by money and fame. They just want to hammer. These people, everything about them is monetary. If you are in a discussion with them, 80% of their discussion is money. So these people, money answers all things. That's just their, that's their, that's their motto in life. Their philosophy in life is money. Answers all things. Anything happens to them, oh, it's because I don't have money. <laughs> Alright? These people are driven by money. There are people like that. They can be driven by money. You know, sometimes, and I want to say this to you, pay, pay very close attention. If you come up from, uh, if you grew up from uh, a background that's not too well financially, you can be driven by money unknown to you. You see, there are people who just like, ah, I suffer the love. In this life, I will make money. And all their concern is money. There, there, there should be a desire in your heart to do better than where you came from. But if you become obsessed with that, it will now be what will drive your life. It will be everything for you is economics. Everything is profit and loss. Everything is profit and loss. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? Immediate discussion starts. Your head has started calculating. This one, that one, how much? Two plus two. is money for you. Everything is money. You've got to be careful of that as a child of God. Then there are uh, a set of people which are driven by their God-given vision. Which means that the, the vision of God for their life is what regulates them. The God-given vision. These people are vision-driven. They are driven by vision. What is vision here? The, the dictionary simply says that vision is the faculty or state of being, of being able to see, or the ability to think about or plan the future with imagination or wisdom. I like this. I like this phrase, planning the future with imagination or wisdom. So, vision entails what you're able to see in the future. But then, uh, it comes with wisdom. You're not just wishing, you're not just uh, having an illusion, you're not just having a, how do I call it? You're not just daydreaming, you know? You know? You're not just thinking, ah, one day life is going to be better. Mm, one day I will also be a big man. That's just the dreaming. You're not, you're not just having those fantasy thoughts. You are actually crafting something with wisdom. So we're looking at being vision driven. God has a vision for your life. Can we say that together? Say, God has a vision for my life. Let's say it one more time. Say, God has a vision. For my life. Do you believe that? Yeah, there's a vision for your life. There's a vision for your life. There is something God wants to accomplish in you and through you. That's your God-given vision. That's your God-given vision. None of us, as children of God, is without a God-given vision. And I want us to reevaluate our lives and rethink our lives where this is concerned. That the way this life is, it's 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 driven. It's you know people call it the rat race. It's there's, you can just there's something is always taking your time. Something is always taking your time. There's always something to do. There's always something to attend to. We, uh, I think uh, this morning I'm going to teach a message on being busy and being productive. Okay? We can be busy, busy everywhere. We're everywhere, we're everywhere, we're everywhere, we're everywhere. But very little is being accomplished where the vision of God for our lives is concerned. If we look at someone like Jeremiah, God called him to be a prophet to the nations. That was, his, that was the vision of God for his life. So everything Jeremiah did was driven by that vision. Look at Gideon. God raised them up to liberate the nation of Israel from the hands of the Amalekites. Now, if Gideon and Jeremiah were to be friends, what they require to fulfill their visions will be different. Do you agree? Yeah, that's why that even though you have very close friends, because the vision of God for your lives are different, the requirements for the way you live should be different. You can't live the same way that others are living. Daniel, through his excellence, he was to bring the worship of God to Babylon. Paul was to preach the message of grace and to write the third of the New Testament. Deborah was to liberate Israel from the oppression of bondage. Esther was to free Israel from Haman and make sure that the Jews were not killed. These were personal visions that God planted in their heart and lived through these people. You see, your God-given vision is what God wants to accomplish and God is living it through you. There are many things God wants to do in this world that He cannot if he doesn't find the right man to do it. God will not superimpose himself like an alien on the world. You know, when you watch all those alien movies and they'll just say some people from Mars have invaded the world. They have turned the world upside down. Cars are now riding on the right hand. That's not how God works. The sovereignty of God is walked on the earth by yielded vessels. That's why everything God wants to accomplish on the earth, he does it through a man. 
And we can be that person in our generation, in our city, in our town, that the visions of God flow through to help people. Man-made vision is very egocentric. Alright? And it's about yourself. So how do you differentiate a man-made vision from a God-given vision? A man-made vision is just about you. Me, my family, and I. You know, there are people who never look beyond themselves and their families and just themselves. Everything is around them. Everything is about them. Hmm? Everything is just about you. But the God-given vision incorporates others. If God gives you a vision, if God puts something in your heart, if God puts something in your life, if God is working something through you, one of the things that God will do is that He will cause that thing to elongate, to reach out to people. Let's take an example. A man will say, or let's, let, 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 me, let me say this, something I wrote in my notes and I like it. It says, a God-given vision is about yielding to God to be used to bring others into a place of freedom. Alright? To bring others into the kingdom and to help them experience the fullness of life. We're talking about a God-given vision. It's being yielded to God so that we bring others to a place of what? Freedom. A place of fullness to enjoy life. To come into the kingdom. And that's why I showed you several people who had the God-given vision. It didn't, it didn't just have to do with preaching. It had to do, sometimes it had to do with the nation. Sometimes it had to do with the community, liberating the community, doing something that frees humanity. That brings them into the kingdom. The vision-driven life. This is a life that is internally regulated by the vision that they carry. The vision you possess. The second important factor is every God-given vision would always end in the glorification of God. Every vision that comes from God will end in what? The glorification of God. It will lead men to worship God or it will free people from bondage and slavery. There are few people who live their lives based on visions that they have. And I want us to be among those few people. Let's not just coast along life. Right? Let's not just go along. Let's not just be whatever will happen will happen. No. Let's be internally regulated. Let's not just see what life would bring. Let life not just happen to us. Let's be people of vision. Let's run with a vision. You know, as I began to, you know, I keep looking at life, I keep looking at observing, you realize the scripture talks about the, the vanity of material possessions and how true it is. How true it is that sometimes we live our lives and make our major goal in life to be acquisition of things and we acquire a lot and we've, we've got all of these things everywhere. But you look at the impact you have in other people's life, it can be very minimal. It can be very, very, very little. And at the end of the day, what actually makes a life count? What actually is a successful life? And as I study these, along these lines, I personally define success as progress. If you're making progress every day towards your God-given dream, you're a successful person. Success is not an event. Success is not going to happen one day. Right? Success, you know, our world is very funny. The world of, the world, this world is funny. It's, you, you look into this world and you just laugh and you say, the scripture is true. You know, it's amazing today. You see people, uh, people pay money to get awards. Right? And so, they get awards and then they pay some money. And you're asking yourself, if you have to pay money for an award, why is it an award? You bought it. Huh? Am I lying or... You know, I'm not right. Some people do that. See, some people even go and buy uh, doctorate degrees. Hmm? 
There's no research. So they just do something and then they are doctors immediately. You'd hear of sports stars that uh, two years after they are being ripped of their medals because they found them to be they had won that competition through substance abuse. And today you find people, especially in the developed countries, who are transgender, uh, guys who became girls running in girls' race and coming first. That's you see confusion everywhere. Confusion everywhere. So the world does not understand what success is. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The world has no idea. And that's why as Christians, we have to be careful that we are not being dragged into that mood. Because when that happens, what happens is that we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and we are not patient enough to follow God and to allow God do what He wants to do in us so He can use us to bring change to the world. For instance, somebody says, I want to start a company so I can earn more money, so I can look after my family. There's nothing wrong with that dream. It's perfect. It's okay. But what about if somebody thinks of it this way? I want to start a company to create jobs so that I can employ parents who can take care of their children. It's the same company, but one is thinking of how they will create opportunities so that other parents can come into that company and from there they will take care of their lives. We have to expound our vision that whatever the Lord is putting in our hearts is not just limited. It's not just for us to find what to eat, what to drink. Praise God. When we look at our nation today, we would realize that there is need for God to raise up people with a God-given vision. To be able to help our young people to help our communities, to help our teenagers to find God first of all and find an expression for their life. We cannot just live as people who just want to put food on our table and that's okay. We must think beyond that. That becomes a driving force. That becomes a motivation for life. Many people have wishes, okay? Daydreaming. Just mere desires. The proof that you have a vision is your commitment. If you have a vision, there must be a corresponding commitment. When a student gets into the class, I've, I've always been for proper academics in anything I do. You know, I usually don't buy into that motivational theory of you can graduate with a third class, people who graduated with third class employed people with first class. It, it, it works. But why not just take the first class? I mean, why are you doing third class? So, I, I, I usually do not subscribe to things that tend to uh, put down on educational pursuits. And at the same time, it's not like you go extreme on education, but we must not let people feel that uh, a lot of studying is, is, is too much. Hmm? Shape will say, oh, it's not those who went to school that make money. It's those who have street sense. <laughs> and you know, when they, when they make these comparisons, they always make them and they are very one-sided. But let's look at this. If a child goes to school and decides, I'm going to come out first class, the first thing that child would do is to set out a discipline for his study. There is a lifestyle that must correspond to your vision. If God will use you to bring about change to this world, there must be what? A corresponding lifestyle. You cannot be lazy and say you have a vision. It's not yet a vision. It's just a desire. If they ask all of us here now, do we want to be rich? I'm not sure anybody will say no. Even if they are sleeping. In their sleep, their answer will be yes. Are you following this? But how many people are, have the habits or are even actually in the pursuit of information that can help them get to that place in life? Very few people. 
So, it, the proof that a man has a vision is commitment. Everybody say commitment. That word is very important. Commitment is very important. Are you committed to the vision? Many years ago, they asked Bishop Oedeboy, he was talking to the Covenant University students. And it's one of them asked him, he said, we take uh, caffeine to stay awake, we take all of these things sometimes to stay awake. Say, what keeps you awake? And you know, in his, in his usual self, Bishop Oedeboy said, responsibility. So responsibility keeps me awake. That's why you see, discover that most, most times when you have something to do, right? You say, oh, I can't read, I'm tired, I want to sleep. Oh, I can't make this thing. Those of you who bake, you know, I can't bake this thing, I'm so tired. You know, those of you who sew, I can't sew this thing, I'm so tired. Until you have a deadline that the customer has paid you. Eh? And the customer needs to pick that thing tomorrow morning. This is 11 o'clock. How many of you know you will not sleep? No, you won't. You, your body can't be tired. Why is your body not tired? There is a dead, especially if you have uh, a very rude customer that neither fears God nor fears man. <laughs> you know, well, you see, because you have to commit to that, your body stays awake. Or you have exams coming up. Are you following what I'm saying? You see, that means that your body can actually stay awake if you make it stay awake for a purpose. But if your body does not find the reason why you should stay awake, what's going to happen? Let me just sleep. Somebody that is alive that will bake. Let me just sleep. It's not by reading. After all, which book? You know, you start giving yourselves all the excuses why you should do what? You should sleep. Let's say you want to save. There's something. Huh? If your child's school fees is due, and you know they will drive that child from school, you're compelled to save. Why is it that a lot of people do not know to save? There are usually not many emergencies in their life. So when there is no emergency, they just spend. Until emergency shows up, then they start gathering the fragments. You don't yet have a vision. When you have a vision... Your giving is regulated. Your savings is regulated. Your investment is regulated. You are being controlled by a picture of the future. You're not just being controlled by the present. You're not just being controlled by what is available. You're controlled by the demands of what you want to accomplish. Are you following this now? Come on, are you following this now? That's why you see in developed countries, for instance, you would see them have plans, master plans. They'll tell themselves, in two, in two years, this population will grow. So we'll open up this aspect of the community. We'll put more rules. We'll put more... How is that happening? Planning and vision. Planning and vision. Commitment to leadership, to proper leadership. We can complain about how our government rules. We can complain about how people lead. But the question is, how are you leading your own life? Are you organized? Are you vision driven? Or you're just extravagant? Or you're just, you're just living life the way it comes? Or there is a goal you're pursuing? Is this goal strong enough to regulate every decision you make? I'm going to read something to you. Okay, so it says, the proof that you have a vision is your commitment, your discipline, and your work towards actualizing it. Every vision will require work. Are you hearing this? Every vision will require what? Work. So there will be corresponding work. If you want to be promoted at your workplace, you have to work. If you want to be a good minister of the gospel, you have to study, you have to pray, you have to fellowship with the Lord. If you want your church to grow, there's got to be work for it. Now look at this. Let's read two passages of the scripture and I'll show you, share a few thoughts with you from there. Luke chapter 4. And verse 42 to 43. From the life of Jesus. Luke chapter 4. And verse 40. We're talking about what? The vision driven life. Luke chapter 4 verse 42 to 43. Look at this. Now when day came. Jesus left and went to a secluded place. And the crowds. Observe that. And the crowds were searching for him. And they came to him. And tried to keep him from leaving them. Wow. Wow. But he said to them, verse 43, I must, underline that, I must 
also preach the kingdom of God to the other cities because I was sent for this purpose. Come on, think of this. Every preacher loves crowds. I'm telling you. Even the one that says, oh, they don't like crowds. They like crowds. Think preaching to you this morning. If I have the opportunity to preach to 10,000 people, that amplifies the message more. But can you see that this crowd wanted to keep Jesus? What did Jesus say? No. Why would you say no? The crowds want you. You are not even the one forcing yourself on them. They say, hey, we want you. Stay here. He says, no. He says, I must go to the other cities because I was sent for this purpose. He walked away from a massive crowd to go to other cities where likely he might not even have those crowds, but his vision determined that he did not take that opportunity. And I want you to pay very close attention to that because this is our anchor scripture. And this is our anchor scripture. What Jesus walked away from so he can fulfill his vision. You see, when you have a vision, there are many things you would walk away from that people might not even understand. Because I'm, I'm wondering if I'm one of the disciples of Jesus, I would wonder, but they want us here. The crowd is here. These people want the message. Why are you going to other places? But he says, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. That means the decisions of Jesus were regulated by the vision of of his insight. The God-given vision he came on earth to fulfill. Let's read another scripture. John chapter 6 verse 15. About the life of Jesus. Thank you Lord. John six fifteen. Are you learning anything this morning? Say amen if you are. Alright. John chapter 6 verse 15. Follow this. So Jesus aware that they intended to come and take him by force to make him king withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. I want you to look at this. Imagine if we come, we come to church this morning and then you just see some people dancing. Huh? Traditional dancers everywhere, front of church. They say, What's happening? They say, Ah, we've come to make Pastor King. <laughs> you think we'll still be having second service? Uh, by now, we'll be at the palace. Just quickly. Write a cardboard paper. All KDCC members straight to the palace. Yeah, because, I mean, it's not like we're asking for it. We're on our own. How many of you think this is favor? We're on our own. And then they just decided they want to make us king. But what did Jesus do? He withdrew. Why? Because his vision did not permit him to be made king by men. So, it takes us to a very important point. When a man has a God-given vision, he will know what opportunities not to take. He will know what opportunities to withdraw from. You see, the crowd tried to keep him, but that was not consistent with the vision Jesus had. On the road to pursuing your vision, some good opportunities can actually become what? Distractions. This is the number one reason why a lot of people do not fulfill their vision. They are easily distracted by good things. Have you ever sent your kid on a message where they are watching cartoon? Huh? You know when your children are watching cartoon, it's not the right time to send a message. When you say, go and bring water for me. Then they start walking like this. <laughs> you, you will not have to be guiding them My friends And then when they bring the water They will walk this way Sometimes they will give it to the wrong person Sometimes you send them to bring water Then they enter the room They forgot to They now bring belts for you I like, But I ask why Distracted Is the cartoon a good thing Yes it's a good thing But that good thing is now interfering with what with The vision You know when I left school I I had the passion to always reach out to young people. So then I, I started answering the call to full-time ministry. So I started something. I didn't even know it was an NGO then. 
I started something called D2DYI, Dare to Dream Youth Initiative. So I would have meetings, get young people, get people to speak and all of that. So through that, uh, I met someone, Kingsley Bangwell, founder of Young Stars Foundation. And uh, he, he, you know, he began to put me through NGO stuff, proposal writing, grant writing. And then I began to travel you know, with it to several places. And this particular year, when Uganda, I was the United, URI, United Religious Initiative Youth Ambassador for Africa. So we had a meeting in Uganda because it was a religious stuff. We had it in a Baha'i temple in Uganda there. And that day, I, when I went home, I began to think, here am I called to preach the gospel. And here am I doing interreligious stuff in a Baha'i temple. Even if, I ha- even if I want to preach the gospel to people, because of the role I was occupying, I couldn't do that. You know, that day I had to decide that no, this won't work. This will not work. I had to make a commitment that day. And we'll talk about that. But the discipline of vision. And one of the commitments I made that day was to drop everything I was doing with the NGO. I mean, it was, it, was not a, it was not an easy decision. It was tough because then I was having opportunities to travel. When we traveled, they would pay us per day, stuff they were doing. It was good. It was, I mean, I needed all the money I could then. So I came back home, decided I wasn't going to continue that path. I was going to just stick with ministry full time. And one of the things I did, I changed my Facebook profile. Changed it completely. Opened a new Facebook profile. Make sure that all my friends that were in the NGO world, they were not on this one. Because to resist the temptation of going back was not easy. You have to be deliberate. You have to be that committed to whatever God is giving to you. Because I, I know maybe like a month later, I made that decision. Some of the f- people were together in that meeting. They had another conference. And then they all went to Germany. You know, there's always a tendency to just say, ah, let me just do this last trip. Or you just feel that, ah, we've been doing these things around Africa. The time you decided to leave, that's when people are now going abroad. Those are good opportunities, but can be what? Distracting. You know, sometimes I've even heard people advise, oh, when you go to these African countries, their materials are very good. You just buy one or two. When you come, you can sell. It's extra income. Who doesn't want to make extra money? You think as I'm here, I don't want to make extra money. Oh, of course I want to. But I also don't take those opportunities. Before you know, because you go one, you bring one kg. The next time you go, you just say, ah, extra kg, you bring two kg. And before you know, people will not be, if, if they are sick, they won't call you to pray for their child anymore. If they don't understand something in the Bible, they won't call you anymore. When they call you, say, ah, pastor, you get material. And I say, that's what we're calling you for. <laughs> are you understand? It, it looks good, but it can distract. You see, you see, sometimes distractions are not always evil. There's nothing here they wanted to do to Jesus that was bad. Making him king was not a bad thing. Is it a bad thing to make someone king? No. I mean, he was not going to pay for the crown. He was not going to pay for the coronation ceremony. Listen, all you need to do is come, just be our king. Huh? Or for people to say, hey, don't go to another city. Just preach to us here. We are ready to listen. Is that a bad thing? You see, most times when distractions are bad, it is easy to identify them. But when distractions are good, you need to be able to be discerning to be able to identify it. Good distractions would stop your God-given vision. Because they're going to pull your energy in different directions. That's why one of the things you must learn on your road to becoming a vision-driven person is to streamline your activities. Streamline what you do. Streamline your availability. Pour energy into that which you know God would hold you accountable for. So we talk about distractions are good things that keep us from ultimately fulfilling our vision. Good things that come along the way, but then they stop us from fulfilling what? That vision. The next thing you need to understand from here is that you have to understand that you'll be judged in life by your purpose. God will judge you by that which you have sent you to do. And that's what we find in the life of Jesus. That's what we find in life. He had to go to other cities because God is going to hold him accountable for that. You see, don't live your life as if you're not accountable to God. 
Don't live your life as if God will not judge you. You know, sometimes we live like now, like God will not judge us. For some of us, it's just like, <clears throat> Jesus is my Lord. I'm going to heaven. That is all the connection I have with God. We don't live like we're going to account for God how we spent our life. We are almost lords of our life. We're almost lords of our life. We don't live like people that will be accountable. We don't live like people that will stand before God. And God will ask you, what did you do with the gift of life and the vision and the things I put into your heart? Praise God. You know, that's why sometimes when people uh, receive the call to ministry, and I, and I encourage people, when you get the call of the Lord into ministry, if you can, embrace the call very early. Because the more you go in life, the harder it is to respond to the call. Yeah. When you started working, the family is here, and now the call of God is on your life. You're imagining, especially if the Lord is calling you into full time, for instance, then you're just going to start thinking, all right, ah, how will these children eat? Ah, how will my wife do this? How will this happen? How will this happen? And then you start giving God all the excuses and just tell God, then once I retire, mm. I will spend my life for God. Life that you have almost finished spending. You've used all your brilliant years. You've used all your energetic years. You've used all your intelligent years to build something. And then when you are tired, you now say you want to come and spend your life for God. You now be preaching, you'll be reading Bible for you. Better is a little, uh -huh. better is a little. Continue of the righteous, of the righteous. Uh -huh. Then that's the one you want to give to God. Because you're not seeing anymore now. I mean, you've used all your eyesight to build things. Now you're not seeing. Somebody will read here. Somebody will read here for you. That's the one you want to give to God. Why would you give God your retirement life? Doesn't God deserve the best of your years? Doesn't God deserve the best of your intellect? Doesn't God de deserve the prime of your life? It's important for us to understand that we will be judged according to our purpose. We'll be judged according to what God has asked you to do in this life. Not according to what your friends want you to do. Not according to what is popular. But what is God asking you to do? Where is God asking you to serve? If we live this way, we will not be comparing our lives with each other. Because we'll know that we are walking on the path that God has ordained for us. Are, are you following what I'm saying? I have friends who are in the oil and gas. Who are do I have friends everywhere. Several sectors. And I'm glad with what God is doing in their life. I have friends who have started companies. That companies are growing. I'm so excited. But I don't feel bad for myself. You know the reason why? God is not going to judge me by how many companies I started. Are you following that? We must be content in the vision that God is giving to us. We must be content in the assignment. I know some of us wish our lives were this way. Our lives were that way. It cannot be that way. The way your life is right now is designed to roll on the paths that God has ordained for you. And you must be okay with it. That this is the path. This is the vision. This is what God has ordained for me. A businessman would require a different lifestyle to be able to fulfill that vision that God is giving to him. Number three, you will understand the discipline of vision. You will understand the discipline of vision. Things you must do. Everybody say, things I must do. You know what Jesus said? He says, I must go to the other cities. You must have things you must do in your life. Those who get their vision fulfilled develop daily routines. These are must. What must you do? What must you do? Hmm? There are things you must do. The discipline to get things done and executed is what separates those who have visions and those who have mere wishes. What are the things you must do? Get an education. There's a time to study. To be able to get a particular vision to work. How will you study? You know, another story. When I was applying for my theological education, I wanted to start doing a bit of theology because I, I want to lecture. 
myself and my friend we applied to this school and then the school saw what I had studied before my years of experience in ministry some of the things I've done and they offered to give me a master's degree so my friend took the offer but I declined I said I want to start from, from bachelor's and, and you know we're talking it was like you know what that's cheaper that's quicker and everything I said no that doesn't fit into what I want to do I want to lecture I don't just want to it's not because I just want to have the degree I've been doing ministry without a degree in theology your vision helps your choices there are things you must go through to be able to accomplish that vision are you hearing what I'm saying and thank God I took that decision maybe four or five years ago. Because when the Lord began to put the vision of starting a Bible school in our, in our heart, and when we went for the application of a Bible school, I'm not just talking about the schools that churches run that are Bible schools. Those are primarily like school of ministry because they teach stuff. But I'm talking about theological school, seminary school. Because I had started on that path, the CSE required that if you want to start a theological school, you should have a degree in theology and education. Which, of course, my first degree is in education, my second degree is in theology. So, you see, the time of preparation is very important that you would give it most of your time. That vision that is in your heart, what must you do to get it to pass? Would you do take an online education? Hmm? There are people who started online courses, right? At the beginning of January, they have forgotten their password as we speak. That means after they logged in, they haven't logged in again. There are those who bought books to read. They are now looking for those books. They have arranged those books so carefully, they are missing. Say, ah, but I buy the book before. But they are looking for, they have arranged it so carefully, they don't know where the book is. And they are supposed to have read those books. Hmm? Ah, this year. Hmm. I will study this year. I will study Bible this year. Ah, one year plan. Bam, printed. After January, you are now looking for the plan. The plan is even looking for you. Hmm? Bible, you did not finish. But you were busy. I'm going to talk about that in this month. We are busy. And if we are not careful, you know what this COVID did, right? When this pandemic came, then... Uh, Zoom started. Eh? Zoom classes, Zoom meetings, Zoom, everything now. Everything now is now Zoom. If you realize, it has made our life more complicated. Because now they can say, ah, no, you, don't, you, know, you don't need to come, I'll send you the ID. So we don't buy in two Zoom meetings at once. Yes? Yes. Yes. Do you agree? Yes, I agree. <laughs> they have agreed everything. Even as a minister of the gospel, I have to say, okay, well, I'm not taking those invitations anymore. Because I just realized it's now convenient to invite, you know, regularly before you invite someone, you think of ticket, think of this. Now they are just saying, ah, you can preach here, you can preach in India, you can preach here, you can preach here. See, it's, it, it looks good, but it can take you away from your purpose. Are you hearing what I'm saying? One of the things I want you to do after this message is to go and streamline your life. If you really want God to use you, to change this world, you can be available all the time. Vision will streamline you. Praise the name of the Lord. You know, it's something that I'm learning. I'm not someone who easily says no to, I really want to do, I want to teach, I want to do, but I'm learning it and I'm glad I'm learning it. I'm saying no to a lot of things right now. It's really helping me. So that I can pour my attention on what? On that which God has given to me. I can be busy everywhere. I'm in many meetings. I'm in multiple meetings. And I don't have time to prepare enough to be able to teach the people that God has sent to me. And you know something in life. Sometimes it's not all those multiple platforms you're on that brings increase. It's your faithfulness with what God has committed into your hands. You take many jobs. Take jobs here. Take jobs here. Take jobs here. And all the jobs are mediocre. There's no excellence in anyone. And your customer base drops. As opposed to focusing on something and becoming the best in it and increasing value and pouring your energy into it. And all of these people that I mentioned, Esther, Gideon, Deborah, uh, Daniel, Paul, they were the best at what they did. Paul says, I labor more than you all. In fact, Paul says, I pray in tongues more than you all. And nobody came out and said, Paul, you're lying. 
We can see his labor. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Even in prison, the man was writing letters to people outside. Discipline. Discipline. Dedication. Writing in those days was not like now. That was easy to type. Even people now that find it easy to type. How many of us have had books in our hearts for years that we have not written? The only thing we have written in the book is the title. And dedication. You know that's easiest to write. Title. How to be an achiever. Dedicated. I dedicate this to my mother and my father for always being there to me. And to my wife yet unborn. And to my children. Full stop. Easy. That's the easiest thing. Chapter dedication. The book is still there. Now when you hear a message like this now, you go back and type the title. Chapter 1. <laughs> then go and sleep again. When you hear another message, you just say, ah, chapter 1. It's okay, I will, I will look into it. You don't even know where you saved the file anymore. Without discipline and consistency, no vision gets achieved. Not one. If you find out what has brought us as a nation to where we are today is indiscipline. And what? Lack of consistency. Remember our beloved General Sani Abacha? He had vision what? Was it 2020? It was 2010. I think we shall 20 something. And then they moved it to 2020. You know, when Abacha said 20. 20, or let's say, let's assume you said 2020. When Abacha said 2020, General Senior Abacha said 2020, way back, it looked like it would take forever, Abi. It looked like that, right? Like, ah, it would take forever, 2020. Ooh, I mean, ah. we're here. Even if somebody comes and says, Vision 2050, it looks like it's far. One day we will all wake up and realize this is 2050. But is there commitment? Is their commitment to the, to the visions? Uh, do you have a commitment to the things you've written down? It's okay to blame the government. What about your own life? Uh, like Jesus, can you say, I must go to the other cities. I must read this book. I must listen to this message. I must preach. I must pray. I must give. Because it's part of my vision. Praise God. You know, there was a ministry is doing something. I really want to give to it. It's some amount that I want to give. And I was thinking about it. I, I don't have that money to give now. And then the Lord just prompted in my heart, but you can give monthly. And if you give it over a long period of time, you'll be able to achieve that lump sum. That's how vision gets accomplished. I want you to be a visionary. Live a visionary life. Many things in life will come to push you away from that vision. But hold on to it. Hold on to it. Like Jesus, walk away from certain distractions and get the vision done. We'll talk about on Wednesday. The scripture says, For the joy that was set before him, he endured the sufferings of the cross. There are things to endure so your vision will come to pass. If you break down at the slightest hindrance to your vision, you would never fulfill your vision. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You are planning to save some money. You just save, 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 save. From there, you, you buy shoes. Hmm? You just say, ah, savings is all, all spoiled already. I just say, just break everything. <laughs> you will fulfill your vision. Are you following what I'm saying? I want every one of us seated here to be a man and woman of vision. That's why you see sometimes our parents, they didn't have so much. Right? But some, some fathers just said, I didn't go to school. This my child would go to school. There was a young man, I thank God his life is restored now. There was a young man that his father didn't go to school and his father wanted him to go to school. So his father did everything he can to send him to school. The boy wasn't very serious. He wasn't very serious. So he messed up in school, dropped out of school, and everything. And his father, you know, kind of banished him. So during one of those, my youth outreaches, I met him. And uh, I took him to his father. One village like that, took him to his father. <laughs> Some things we have done for ministry. You know, went before the father. I knelt before the father. Both of us knelt down. We were begging the father, apologizing. The father now said, okay. That uh, <laughs> fact. 
And then thank God took, took the boy back, helped him. And then when he left, so he told the boy to go outside. So when he left, he, he, came, he, he, he called me in. And he was really appreciating me. He said, because this boy has been running around ministry. Well, he's been going around with a lot of young people, doing ministry and everything. And that everybody was telling him that he has the call of God on his life and everything. So actually, that's what actually distracted him from not doing school the way. So when he met me and he was talking about the call, I said, yeah, I mean, if you go to school and you're called, it doesn't stop anything. Finish. So, I mean, that's where the journey started back. And thank God today he's finished the school and all of that. But then the father was telling me that he had two plots of land. And then when this boy came for his final project, he told himself that, listen, instead of this boy not to go to school, to finish, I will sell that land. And that his brothers were even laughing at him that he was wasting his money. He sold the land, gave to the boy. And it was the fact that his brothers laughed at him. He does not have land. And the so-called young man did not graduate that God has called him. He said, where, where, where was God when he was selling his land? You, you understand that? You know, but you see, what I'm trying to say is that as a father, he didn't have much. But he poured commitment to ensure that that young man goes to school. Thank God he's graduated today. That's what it means to have what? A vision. Are you that committed? What are you doing today that would lay a proper foundation for the generations to come? You didn't have a good upbringing. You didn't come up from a good home. What are you doing to make sure the home where your children will be raised will become good? What price are you paying or are you still lazing around hoping that things will just turn out? Take time to pray, study, take time to fast. There are things you must do. If you do not have a priority list in your life, you have not been consumed by your vision. Everybody say priority list. There should be priority lists. What are, the, what are the top five things you want to accomplish in the year that we're entering? What are the top three things you want to do? And every other thing on, that is not on that list, walk away from it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We've got two months to the end of this year. What's your priority? What do you want to get right? Do you want to get your spiritual life right? Do you want to get your prayer life right? Do you want to get your study life right? Do you want to willingly submit yourself to, a counsel, to, a, to counsel and to mentorship and say, I don't know how to really live life. Help me get it right. And prioritize that. If you do not have a priority list in your life, you have not been consumed by your vision yet. People with visions have developed a priority list. The next thing is, you will understand the phase and the season you are in as an individual. Many fail in life for not understanding the phase or the season they are in. Many people commit, compete with the seasons of others. Many people compete with the seasons of others. If you look at Matthew chapter 3 verse 15, the Bible says, But Jesus answering said to him, Allow it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus submitted to John the Baptist to be baptized. He says, allow it for this time. Let me be baptized. He was, he was uh, higher than John the Baptist. John the Baptist even said, I cannot touch his shoe lashes. But he humbled himself. Vision will require humility. Many people do not fulfill their vision in life because of pride. There might be seasons in your life you hope to humble yourself to go and learn under somebody. There might be seasons in your life you will take a job that is not befitting so that you can find some money and go for that. You cannot be unemployed and still be choosing. Say, hold me, hold me, hold me. You can't be a whole you. You are a fraction. Huh? The face of humility. What season are you in your life? You know, sometimes uh, young ministers see me today and they're like, oh, we thank God for your life. You're going to the nations. I didn't start going to the nations. That's this is not where I started. This is a season. I mean, I remember sometime, Scripture, you know, used to invite me. Huh? I'll go and preach to secondary, to secondary school students and they can disturb. We are preaching here. That one is making noise here. This one is making... Sometimes you will forget your message. Then at a point, every meeting they invited me to was youth meeting, youth meeting, youth meeting, youth meeting, youth meeting. And then churches started inviting me. And today, 60% of my invitations are to train ministers. These are seasons. Are you hearing what I'm saying? These are faces. Don't rejoice 
You know, don't compete with the harvest season of others when they are planted seeds. You go back and plant your own seed. Always understand this thing about life. Life is in seasons. Praise God. I mean, I mean, there are seasons now where I'm in this church three Sundays, one month, two months, and teaching. There will be seasons where I'll just teach one Sunday. Or two months, I'm not around. That season will come. There's, I mean, it's not something you can stop. It's not what you can pray against. It's a season. That's why seasons must be maximized. Because if you are faithful in one season, what will happen? The other season will naturally open up. God has designed life to flow with seasons. What season are you now? Jesus came at that time and humbled himself to be baptized. You humbled himself. There are seasons you, can, you might even need to wear only one pair of shirts so you can get some things done. Praise God. That's why I don't belong to many associations because I don't have many requirements to fulfill. Those are everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> Many never accomplished their vision because of pride. You know, at a point in Jesus' life, he was in the temple. He wasn't there to teach. What was he there to? Ask questions. He was asking the Pharisees questions. That was the season in his life. His mother warned him. Say, let's not look for you again. Are you hear what I'm saying? Scripture says he followed them home and was subjected to his parents. There was a phase where Jesus was subjected to his parents. He is the creator. He didn't say, you people don't know I'm the savior. Say, Mary, did angel not appear to you? <laughs> no, but there was a season. There was a season Jesus did carpentry work. Are you hearing what I'm saying? At a time, all Jesus was doing was to nail chair, major chair, nail chair, buy nail, do a forestry work. Savior of the world. That season was not for miracles. Understand the season. There are certain seasons you need to talk less. Go under and build what you are building. Don't try to be a celebrity overnight. Little money you have, you are everywhere. And if you even check the money, you can't really do anything. It's just... Hmm? There are times to spend less, to talk less, to show off less, and put on the garment of service, of learning and preparation. A man of vision knows the face and the season he is in his life. What face are you in now? We're entering another year. What face are you entering in that year? What should you be working at? What should you be developing? Praise God. We have 12 months. You know, during the lockdown, people complain so much about COVID. Oh, lockdown, we can't go anywhere. A lot of schools, in fact, that's when I did my REMA. I mean, they don't usually do online courses, but they made the, the school open online. And I enrolled. And before you know, I was done with it. Huh? That COVID lockdown period was an opportunity for development, for a lot of things. A lot of prizes flashed down. A lot of things online you could find. Schools gave waivers. All kinds of stuff. Scholarships were on. People were complaining that they were locked down. Now they have said, move. You are in the house. <laughs> you see, human beings, uh, that's just the way we are. If they say lockdown now, say, hey, why are you locking up now? What is it? Hey, 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 hey. It's okay, open gates. Move you move. Say, why are you telling us to just go everywhere? I want to relax. <laughs> The last one, your vision will ultimately determine your value system. And also, the things you place value on. What's your value system? What do you value? Jesus valued teaching the gospel. Huh? Two things to recognize what you value. When you are doing what you value, time will pass. And money doesn't mean anything. You know, I had an interesting story I said in the first service, I'll tell you. Uh, <laughs> One time I went to the U.S. and um, I went for a conference. So I bought books. I bought two bags of books. So I was so excited. So I, I snapped the picture. I was on my way home. I was coming through Turkey. So I snapped the picture and sent to my wife that, ah, look at the books I bought. So she now said, did you buy anything for us? <laughs> That's when I realized that boss is not buying anything. He said, oh, since you didn't buy anything, you and your books, you people will stay outside. You know? Uh, but... You know, so I had to quickly take some money from my friend and got something, you know, during a stopover. But what I'm trying to say is this, because I value books, the money did not do what? Mean anything to me. 
what you value, time will not mean anything to you. It's just like, I mean, I have to close because, uh, I mean, we have to have a closing time. But I can teach, I can teach, I can teach, I can teach like this for hours. I have value teaching God's word. What do you spend money for and you don't think twice? That's where your value system is. Then the next question you need to ask yourself is that, does that value system aid your vision? Okay? Now, we all have different value systems. So, I'm not saying you should go, of course, you should value books. But there are people who have met, just see book. How much is this book? Two, five. Ah, now. Ah, ah. What is inside? <laughs> all right? I know some people go to a, sh- a, sh- uh, 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 a shop for shoes. And he say, how much is this shoe? Say 13. How much is this on 15? How much is this on 25? Say, let me start with that one of 25. I'm sure it will be quality. Okay? And I'm not sure I'll go to a shoe shop and say, show of 25. I will start from, if you say this one is 10, I'll say, okay, do you have anyone on that? You know, because I mean, but if I go, to, I, I don't think there's any, every time I've priced any book, I wanted to buy that. They tell me the book is this amount, then I price it. I don't think so. It's a value system. So you, when, when you see that, when you want to put money in that thing, it doesn't touch you. You know that that thing is your value system. Or time. And the two things needed to transform your life is time and money. If you give time to the right things and you invest in the right things, your life will be radically transformed. Esther valued the freedom of Israel and went in to see the king without permission. She valued obeying God. As compared to our own life. Daniel valued God's call on his life. He placed value on his prayer and intercession time. When the king said, you know what? Nobody should pray. Daniel prayed. Because he placed value on his time. I want you to reevaluate your life in the light of this message. And we all should do that. Are you riding on a vision? Are you actually riding on a vision? Or you're just coasting through life? If you're writing on a vision, have you developed your priority list? What are you going to focus on? We've got a few months to the end of the year. But most importantly, we're entering a brand new year. This would be the fantastic time to start setting the course and the shape of the year we're about to enter into. And determine what your priority list will be. Determine your availability. Determine that you will be one of those few people that God is going to walk through to change this world. We can all sit here and complain about the nation, complain about the world, complain about our society. But if we open up ourselves to God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, He can walk in and through us to change, to transform, and bring healing to our nation and our world. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We ask God that through this series of teachings this morning, you would inspire us to greater level of fulfilling the vision that you have for us in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for everyone here that you will ignite in them a vision-driven life. That inside they will be regulated by the vision of God for their lives. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.